Greetings, everyone, and thank you for downloading Hyper Literature Presents. In this podcast, I will present Tales from the GAM or Tales from the Golson Aquilo Metroplex. If you read my blog, hyperliterature.com, shameless plug, then you will see that each one of these podcasts will cover different categories. Tales from the GAM or Tales from the Golson Aquila Metroplex are going to be stories about the towns that I grew up in, Golson, Texas and Aquila, Texas. I put these together because I don't think a lot of people really understand what it's like to grow up in a small Texas town. So on these podcasts, I will have guests that will, uh, these will be people that I grew up with. Oftentimes, they're people that I've known for a long, long time. In this episode, I've got Philip Tankersley and Jason Olson. These two guys uh, have been my best friends for Gosh, I don't know how many years. I've known Jason since second grade and Philip Tankersley since I was 16, I think. So uh, a lot of history shared between us, and we recorded this podcast after we had enjoyed a very large meal and had a lot of scotch. Okay, let me be clear. Philip Tankersley and I had a lot of scotch. Jason was jacked up on Dr. Pepper 10. So there you go. Uh, in this podcast, we'll talk a lot about the schools that we grew up in, these really small Texas schools. And many of the stories are going to be debauched. They're going to be juvenile, so I hope you're expecting that type of content. If not, wait for another Hyperliterature Presents that focuses on a category that you are interested in. Uh, but in any case, this is Hyperliterature Presents Tales from the Gam, episode number two. Enjoy. I love me some brownie bites. You got yours off mute? Get it off mute, buddy. All right, we're rolling now. Jason's eating brownie bites and it's fucking loud as shit. Yes, we'll have to cut this out, aren't we? Didn't we just have a conversation about not making noise? I'm hungry. I'm just going to All right. So we've got three people on this podcast. Uh, we've got myself, Tank is back again, and we've got my friend Jason, which is kind of fun because uh, these are my two best friends, the two guys I've known the longest. So Insane. I know. It is insane. It's crazy. Um, so for this podcast, we're going to talk about the schools that we grew up in. Um, Jason and I went to Golson. How many, how many students did we have when we were there, Jason? In the whole school yeah. or in our class? No, nah, in the whole school. So it was K through 8. Golson stopped at 8. And after that, you either went to West or you went to Aquila. Man, that's it's hard to think of how low the number is, to tell you the truth. I know. <laughs> I don't know. What would you say, 70? At the Yeah, at the top. I would say 70 to 100. Yeah. And then, Tank, you guys had K through 12. Yeah, so that's a little bit more. Even though we were actually a smaller town, we actually had more students because we actually had four extra grades. So um, I would think it was about 100, almost right at 100 even, K through 12. Because I remember when I went there as a as a – as a high schooler, I think Aquila had 168K through 12 at that Really? Time. That much? I remember that it, uh, for some reason 168 sticks in my head, and I don't remember numbers, so I, I have the feeling okay. that that's right. I'm, that kind of surprises me. It seems a, a lot higher than I would have thought yeah. on average, but then again, my class, I guess, was a little bit smaller than, than some because I only had nine. And see, and, I didn't know this. So so the two towns we grew up in, Aquila and Golson, they, what are they separated by? About 10 miles? 10 miles. About 10 miles. There's a county line, an actual county line that separates the two exactly. of them, and there were bars there. Um, but really weird little towns because Golson is a lot more spread out than Aquila, or at least it feels like it to me. But Aquila has that little main street and all that kind of stuff that Golson just doesn't have. Mm-mm. But Golson actually, and we, I, we looked this up, Golson has a lot more people in it than Aquila. So what was Aquila listed as as far as when When I was there, population? it was uh, 130 people in Aquila. And I just looked up Golston the other day, and it's it's nine hundred now. Right. So yeah. I think Golston. Golston was pushing a thousand at one time. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, Golston is definitely more sizable. There, there, there's no doubt about it. In fact, I was just thinking today that I'm surprised that the student bodies are are relatively similar. You know, student class sizes and stuff like that. Given the fact that the township yeah. of of Golston is you know almost ten times the size of Aquila, but you know. I still think that the reason for that, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think the reason that it's more centralized is still because Aquila was a cotton-raising town, and it was on a train line. And that's one of the reasons why they had that main street, they had the post office, and they had that, that town feel. Whereas Golson, you know what, I don't yeah. even know why it, I don't know why Golson became Golson. Because G.H., G.H. Olson, my that is greatest a- grandfather floating down the river. That Got out of the river. Fucking lie. For some reason, he went no, up that. on the bank. He pissed on a tree, carved his initials in there, G.H.Olson. 
Next thing you know, you got ghosts. That is a fucking lie. Gary Harris no. lives on. Gary Harris Olson. That is not a, that is not true. Everything that you just heard is an utter lie. Uh, so I don't know how Golson. <laughs> My grandpa gets... pissed on a tree and marked himself, and then you know marked it. And there <laughs> it is. is There's true. the town. Actually, true. the town came about in two two brothers. Used to actually have a different name. I'll look this up. True story. I don't think I it's can't true. remember what the name. It was like the t- name of the town was like Sabil. No, or it something. wasn't. I know what it is. It started with an S. It did. It did. It was us. It was an Indian name, Sardis. Sardis. And then it became Golson uh, Golson because the two brothers' last name was Golson, I believe. And they started a... uh, uh, I think this is true. uh, This is true. I think this is true. Thank God for Wikipedia. I know. (laughs) Uh, But actually, the two brothers... They had a post office there, and it was called Golson Post Office, mm-hmm. and that's where Golson came about. I think you got a, a lot better deal out of that because Aquila's original name before it became Aquila, Texas, was Mudtown. It's not a joke. <laughs> that is not true. It is, it is, is true. It is true, and I will prove it. We can drive down 933, and you will still, still see an old sign that says Mudtown Auto. That is fantastic. I did Wait not know minute. that. All Some dude years. just put that sign in his yard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may be true. <laughs> But, Have you ever seen the automobiles that dude sells out there? No, God, I've never stopped there. <laughs> it's like a, I might never come back. Sorry for me making noise. That I is loud as shit. I, love I told you about the brownie All right, so we've been eating and drinking all night, and Jason's the only one that actually has not had any alcohol at all. Dr. Pepper 10 is for men. Dr. Pepper <laughs> Dr. Pepper 10, it is for me. No, they're supposed to pay us for that. No. We well, can't just do keep your placements. lady drinks, ladies. We're good. Okay. All right. So uh, for this one, I wanted to talk about the schools, and specifically K through 8, because that's all we had at Golson. And uh, we had a – and I don't know about you guys, but we had a really weird – I want to say tough. It was a tough school. There were some really thuggy – Bad people there, I think. Those people ruled. No, well, I mean, there were some scary people there. They bought me beer. They did. They did. And they weren't even of age. Which, who are you talking about? Oh, like all the old thugs. Are you talking about like Parsons and all them? Yeah. Yeah. So in the eighth grade, how old are you in eighth grade? 14? 14. 14. And these kids were drinking. Timmy Noir was drinking at that time, too. Yeah. He had a tab. They were doing more than that. Yeah. In eighth grade, and that was one of the things too that, it, that like looking back, and I and I would like to hear your opinion on this since you're a parent. But I remember the the number. I'm a parent. You're a parent. You have no. a child. You have a child that's I that. Got three children. I, I know, it's but awful. you have a child that's that age. They're now. crazy too. But I remember people at Golson who are already having sex, who are already just. I mean, we. I oh, mean, yeah. at that time we were in eighth grade. Okay, so we started smoking in sixth grade. What? How? What age is that? It's your fault. <laughs> 11, 12. 11 or 12? Yeah. And how old is your son? He's 12. He'll be 13 this summer. Can you imagine if he did half the shit that we did? I'd shit myself. At his age? Smoking? Yeah. Drinking? There are yeah. people who are having sex at that age? There were girls who were experienced in 6th and 7th grade when we were in school. And what age is that? And we were like, God, it'd be nice to hang out with them one weekend because <laughs> nearly it actually gives them ass. And I remember, and I don't know if this was true or not, but I remember hearing a rumor that that a couple broke into the sixth grade room yeah. and fucked on the teacher's desk Yeah, when they were in seventh grade Yeah, in Golson. Was it true? Yes, it was. And that was, like I said, 12, 13 years old, yeah. if that. Did you guys have that at Aquila at all? Well, I was a little nerdy kid, so I wasn't privy to breaking into I was a little nerdy kid, too, though. Well... Apparently you were, you know, a better nerd than I. Um, I don't know. I feel like, and maybe it's just my class, given the girls that were in my class. Um, the, I think the the whole Baptist aesthetic of Aquila was a lot stronger than it was in Golson. That's true. Y'all and had a definite like religious the, the, the aspect. Two, the two girls that that, uh, that come to mind that were kind of the the leaders uh, of the class. They they were very much so. You know, kind of no sex till marriage, especially at that age, and not really sexual at all. And and the girls who were kind of sexual were genuinely slut shamed. They they were made fun of. They were outcast. It, it was really really tragic. That and, was the exact opposite of ours. Oh, and, yeah. and actually, interestingly enough, like in, in hindsight, I remember a girl 
when I was in like 11, 12 years old, something like that, who was a, a little bit of a tomboy and, you know, played video games kind of nerdy and stuff like that. And, uh, and nobody ever made a move on her because there's also like this, and, and maybe this is true of all schools actually, but there's also this kind of this, this aura of if you have sex with the wrong girl, you have made a mistake. Good God, at Golson. There's no such thing. Really? <laughs> it, it was. But, uh, for example, you know, Bonnie Eller was, was in my well, 12th grade okay. class. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. That is the wrong girl. Even in a Golson. Even uh, a Golson. You know, it might not have been that bad as long as you didn't ask for a BJ. Oh, uh, no. Well, Because if you asked for a BJ from that girl, then it was gone. Bonnie Eller had about three teeth in her whole head. like you got that thing caught in that daggum. Oh. Some kind of... A nutcracker. A farming accident is what it would look it would like. It would look shred, like I think it would shred your penis. It would definitely look like you get caught in a blender. Uh, those were the four girls in my class Probably when I was like in sixth what grade. what mine looks like now. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it was Robin Mannon, Bonnie Eller, and uh, this girl who I'm pretty sure her name was Teresa. She laughed, and she was really cool. Because if I had any, you know, boyhood crush that I should have. The one that got away when you're 12, <laughs> and see, it, it would have been her. Our, the girls that we had in our class, we had a couple of good girls, kind of goody two-shoes. But I got my first titty in seventh grade. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think you need me here for this podcast, because I think we do because you 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 need to be here for the voice of reason at this point. <laughs> I think because Jason was uh, you were I don't know. I always felt like I was like one step behind you watching the crazy stuff that you did because I was doing it to make you laugh. That's. <laughs> <laughs> So was it an audience? If I saw a smile on your face, I knew my job was done. See, I always felt like I stood back and planned stuff. Yeah. And these you were kind of like the silent dude. You're like, you know, you know, like Jason. He's just being all loud and stupid. He's a jackass. You were the one that, yeah, you could be a jackass, but you were the secret of like quiet jackass. I think it may be worse. So you said second base, you know, in seventh grade. Is that yeah? Okay. How old were you in West Virginia? See, I remember this, so you can't lie. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. That's actually 15. average, I believe, in the United States. Yeah. And I mean, so. she, I didn't do nothing. But she was younger than you. Yeah. She was younger than me. <laughs> you didn't do nothing. She was younger than me. No, I didn't do nothing. It was like, <laughs> she put her titty in my mouth. <laughs> no, she took my clothes off. She got on top of me. I never did. She was on top the whole time. And it was like, when she got done, I was sitting there with my mouth wide open like, just but, but this you. was this was fifteen, so this is a little bit past yeah. our, you know. And so we went on for like another two months. Like every weekend, we'd meet up, and I mean, I was like, oh, yes. And this was the younger girl too. This was a younger girl. Yeah, and she was renowned at Golson for having been experienced even well before that. Yeah, probably okay. when she was twelve. Yeah, right. Because she was like fourteen. Yeah, and she destroyed me. Like, like I mean, I couldn't have told her no, and it was already over with. She put the condom on me and everything. She actually put a condom on me, so that was a good thing. Because, I mean, it was, I probably lasted five seconds. And I don't think that was rare at Golson. No, okay. it wasn't. Uh, again, it might have just been my class, too, uh, but I, I do think that Quilla had a, a heavier Baptist aesthetic. I just, I, and it, it's weird, too. I For some reason, looking back, Golson was out of control at that time. Oh yeah. When we when we went there, and I really think it had it was because of the principal that we had. Well, so, when the principal tells people to go to class, and they tell them to screw off. Right. Actually, they didn't say screw off. They they, they, they told them to go fuck off. Yeah. I mean, this is and he would turn time. around and walk off. Right. Then I mean, what kind and of control who, do you? Have? Who did you guys have as a principal at that time? At, at that time, I honestly don't recall. We Aquila burned through principals every couple of years the entire time that I was there. It feels like, and, and superintendents for that matter. So ours didn't. We had we had uh, Billy West. We had Bill West from the time that we were in second grade. Were you there when when Mr. Money was there? I think one year. Okay. So I think it was around my second grade when when Bill West got there, and he and he 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 retired after we left. He retired, I think, in our freshman year in high school. So how many years was that? Yeah. He, was, he was there for. Um, six years? No, more than that. Eight years or something like that. But in any case, he knew he was going to retire, and they had hired him, and apparently they could find no way to fire him. And he he flat out told the school board that if you fire us or if you fire me, I will sue you. 
So he he had them. I mean, it, the, the little school couldn't afford to have a lawsuit on Billy it. Goat. Yeah, and so he sat there and did nothing, absolutely nothing. There were teachers who – imagine a school of, of people like, like Larry Owens that, that just did nothing, and that was Golson. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that, that you, you compared to Larry Owens, which was a high school teacher at Aquila. He uh, – he inter- the day he interviewed, he saw the superintendent was was drinking on the job, and basically, you know, blackmailed his way into a job and classic operated as such that he would never get fired. Although, turned out that if you do enough damage, you can be fired from eventually. pretty much anything. Yeah, eventually. Interesting. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Well, I remember. Do you remember when Jeremy Rager buried himself in the field? So we had a we had a guy in class. So this is interesting too. I don't know if you guys had this. So kindergarten was separate. First and second grade were they were in the same room. Third and fourth grade were in the same room. Fifth and sixth were in the same room. But yes, we were the same way. We we shared teachers and classes. So we were sharing a class with with a class above us, and Miss Noble sent Jeremy Rager out to get a paddling, and she had to go get Mr. West to have someone witness it, and so she sent him outside. To finish her lesson, and she went outside, and he was gone. And so they deployed everyone, and people were driving around the school, and they eventually found him out in one of the peanut fields. He had ran up the street. He would went out in the peanut field, and he had buried himself in the field, and all that was left was his head. And apparently when they drove by, all they saw was his head, and they bring him back, and he's covered in dirt and weeds and all kinds of stuff. It was fantastic. Rumor has it he's a police officer now. That is horrid. It's awesome. You knew him, though. This moment taken out for Brownie Bots. Get you some. Oh, God. Jeremy Rager, you knew him at Aquila. Oh, Jeremy Rager, yes. I did know know him. He was. No, he uh, buried himself in the field so he could avoid getting the paddling. That uh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Well, again, it just surprises me or it shocks me when you look back at all the crazy stuff that went on there that the parents didn't say more. That there weren't more of us that were, were sent over to Aquila or sent over to West because it was utter insanity at that West school. didn't warn us. Well, that's true. <laughs> the only time I remember parents getting involved at, at Aquila was, was this interesting fiasco. So when I was in second grade, um, you know, in a class, and I think I think in elementary school the class was a little bit bigger. So I've been like, like 12 students or 13 students, something like that. Um, and it got a lot smaller. When I went to third grade, because when I went to third grade, I found out me and this other girl, Robin, were the only two who passed nice. second grade. Yeah, that's a good statistic. Not, not because the students were failing, but because the teacher didn't feel like the students were up to second grade work, so gave them first grade work, didn't tell the parents, and then at the end of the year said they were not ready to proceed to the next grade. Wow. And, um, and the way that they actually hid this was the fact that uh, Robin and I had always been given work on the side because we were kind of the smart kids. You know, we already knew our alphabet and how to read and stuff in kindergarten, and so they took us aside. And you know, I'm learning cool stuff like fractions, thinking I'm ahead of everybody. And it turns out I was actually doing the real work, and all the other kids were doing remedial work. That's actually kind of sad when you think about it because you thought you were ahead. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but <laughs> you know, parents and parents were incensed that. Uh, I'm not sure if the teacher got fired or not. I almost want to say that uh, that she did. I don't remember who it was. Um, but, yeah, that was a huge uproar. And that was the only time that I ever remember parents being engaged at Aquila. They, the, And I don't think it was because the kids weren't learning. It was because they weren't advancing. It was, was right. really the, the key there. I mean, you could even – obviously, the deceit in not telling the parents what's going on is, you know, reprehensible. But the the idea that, hey, these kids aren't ready, that's something that can be defended if done correctly. But yeah, there was more about advancement. Anyway, they, fired an, they failed an entire class of kids without telling the parents. Wow. And see, we never had anything like that because no one really failed. No. The only person I remember that failed – well, shit, can you remember anybody? I don't remember anybody that ever failed. Like maybe in a six weeks, not in a right. No, entire I mean, school year. Anybody that was held back from a grade. I don't think so. I, I mean, and and, it's, and there that's, were some. That's hard to believe. There were some, some of the students we had. Dumb people there. I mean, you'd pretty much some of the people you would think they probably just showed up and we'd get a grade for showing up. 
Well, I mean, the we, way it turned out, <laughs> we had students. I mean, and you mentioned Scott Jackson earlier, but he had been in juvie and stuff like that before. He mm-hmm. was a dangerous guy. Like he broke into my parents, uh, the tractor that my mom and dad had. He, him, and somebody else broke into and stripped the. Well, inside he had of the it. older stepbrother that was with them all the time doing stuff like that. Okay. Well, in any case, they were breaking into things Broke constantly. Broke into the church, the right. Methodist church, and flooded it. That's right. I forgot about that. They broke into a church and intentionally flooded it. And it's not as if these kids tried to hide any of this stuff. And, man, they were they were terrible. They, they were, were really bad. And they, we're talking about, <laughs> heck, they were on drugs in 6th, 7th grade. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was, I guess this is technically high school, but... I remember my freshman year in high school that we were given a test, a survey. It wasn't really a test. It was a survey from the, somebody doing a survey on drug usage in rural schools or whatnot. And I remember lying about the drugs that I had done because I was afraid that my test scores would be too inexperienced in comparison to all the <laughs> cool kids from Golson. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And see, quite honestly, I don't ever remember seeing anything other than a lot of pot. Yeah. Before we went to West. Well, they were doing it under them trees when you know we had our yeah, little, but, little break top spot. Right. And these were kids in seventh and eighth grade smoking weed like yeah. a lot of weed. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing anything heavier than that. I don't either. But I remember the pot. There was a lot of, of weed. There, there was a lot of Marlboros. Oh God, yeah, that was a problem. <laughs> that was a problem with everybody, quite honestly. <laughs> I, I think the first time I smoked a cigarette was fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, probably fifth or sixth grade. And I remember that when, when we were in one of the classes, Andy Walker and I, we would take scotch tape, and we had these doors that would close, and you could tape the, 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 the latch. You remember those doors? They had a push bar on them, and you could tape the latch to the inside of the door. And so whenever we, would, we were supposed to be out at PE, Mr. Carr would leave his room, and we would go into the room, and we would get cigarettes out of our desks and smoke cigarettes behind the building. Scotch tape. Yeah, scotch tape. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And that, that was in sixth grade that we were Jimmy indoors and breaking out yeah. to go smoke cigarettes. Another thing y'all talk about small schools, whenever we were at Golson, most of the time we were there, the classes were linked. Yeah. Like that's you're what talking, I said a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, first and second were together. Just, Third and fourth were together. Yep. Fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth, and you have one teacher controlling those two. I talk about you know when the, the students failed. Yeah. I was I was devastated because my best friend was not going to be in my class anymore because we were no longer like linked because he was now linked with the the previous ones. So we mm-hmm. never share a classroom anymore, and and ironically we actually kind of fell out of friendship after that a little bit. You know, over time, gradually not being in the, the same classroom. Well, I guess one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was it was because of the the post that I wrote, and I've got it as an audio post now. Mm-hmm. And and it, and I wrote it in 2008, and there, and I don't know if you've read it, Jason, but the reason I wrote it was because it was during the political season at the time, and a lot of politicians were talking about small town values. And they kept talking about how we got to get back to small town values and why small town values are better than you know all other values and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it fucking irritated me to no end because it, it felt like they had never been to a small town and seen some of the shit that we had seen because I don't know that a, a big town or a small town are any different. There's there's going to be the same amount of winners and same amount of losers. Yeah. But it just seemed to me when we were growing up especially, and maybe it was just where we were at, but it was a, an incredibly deranged place. Like if I had a child, there's no way. That child would go to Golson if it was like yeah. that. You know what and I mean? I was actually moved to the country to Golson to get away from. Oh, I forgot about the that. city area. Yeah, because they didn't want me being in a more popular school that was full of drugs and this and that. That's true. In the country, you get away with everything. There's absolutely a false sense of security. There is in, in the country and yeah, the a countries. false sense of of righteousness and things yeah. are idyllic and, and they're not. One of the an interesting comparison that that was I did not make, and it really surprised me was a few years ago I was talking to um, some friends and we were from disparate areas, uh, you know, from Texas and friend one from North Carolina and one from Montana, and I, I made some kind of you know proud to be from the Aquila Golson Metroplex, AGM right, GAM AGM, blasphemer. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, we want to put G in front. I named it. Damn it. 
That's what it's linked at as on iTunes, so Tankersley is wrong. Insane. Nonetheless, I I made this this assertion, you know, heretics aside. And and, and, and the guy from from Montana, I remember he kind of looked confused. He was like, what? I thought you you kind of hated where you grew up, and and before I could say anything to, to explain uh, the you know the cross between pride and shame that you feel and whatnot, the, the guy from North Carolina who I believe grew up in a city and maybe not the worst of ghettos but definitely you know a relatively uh, lower income kind of place said you know when you come from a place like that. You have a very complicated relationship with it, which which is really true. I mean, like I said, shame and, and pride and things you're proud to be ashamed of and ashamed to be proud of even. But what I thought was, was most fascinating, thinking back on that later, was the idea that growing up in the country in some ways shares similarities to growing up in a ghetto. It's just not as dissimilar. I mean, one of the biggest problems both ghettos and rural areas share, and that's poverty. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the crux of a lot of it. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we saw people living in things that you shouldn't be living in, and, you know. Treehouse. Who lived in a treehouse? Coco. Who's Coco? You know, that dude lived down the road from me. They always walked up and down the street, walking up down 933. They lived in the, like, the little makeshift thing down by the creek? No, he lived in a clubhouse. I don't remember. I don't this remember. guy had a treehouse. He had a floor. And you cannot be over 12, year old, 12 years old and have a treehouse. Dude, this guy supposedly, <laughs> this is the rumor, okay? okay. This is, I don't know this true <laughs> or false. I do know the truth that he did live in a clubhouse, a treehouse. <laughs> what I don't know is they said he was in the service and they used him as an experiment. Oh, God. That sounds good. This up. dude is fried. <laughs> He used to get me to, like, stop and give him a, like, light off my cigarette lighter, and he'd be oh, lighting no. a J, you know? But he's like, no doubt. I've I seen him poke his head out of the treehouse many times. He had a treehouse, and it had a floor, and the roof was a big old American flag draped over the top of it. He slept in that thing. He lived in it. I'm not lying. That is fantastic. Uh, no, There's a lot to be down at the bottom down there. <laughs> you know, you know, Bag I, full I, of cans. <laughs> I ain't lying. Weeder used to do that too. Yeah, he was the can man. Weeder used to pick up cans. I used to always be scared of that dude because I'd never seen him before. He had been in prison for murder. But I was scared of him for some reason. Well, because he was a murderer. But if you seen him, he's like, what's this Uncle Did you Fester know looking dude? He walked He walked in between Aquila and Golson picking up cans. He was probably 70, maybe 75. Looked like Uncle Fester. Yeah, he was maybe 70, 75. People called him Weeder and he picked up cans. And mom felt sorry for him one day. And, he, and she... She stopped and she picked him up, and she was talking to him about how she felt bad because nobody ever picked him up. And he said, "Well, it's probably because people are scared of me because I've been in prison for murder." <laughs> and here's his mom driving with him by herself. <laughs> and she said, "I didn't know he'd been in prison for murder. I wouldn't have picked him up if he had." Been. I wish I my name was Weed Eater. I do too. I kind of like the nickname Weed Eater. It's a good nickname. <laughs> yeah, you know, I genuinely believe you know the treehouse story. I don't know, joke or something like that, but I, I don't. I could see that happening. I mean, I myself grew up in a in a shack out in the woods, effectively, and I wasn't the only person. And in fact, you know, I remember, you know, I grew up without running water. You know, I, I dug my own first septic tank with my own two hands, a shovel. You know, when I was fourteen, and I don't think that I was even as bad as it was the worst out there. I'm pretty sure that there were guys living out there without electricity, and that's hard living. Mm-hmm. The electricity, you can't refrigerate things, and right. that's a genuine problem that some people had. Which is, you know, I think in a lot of places outside. I'm sure there's some ghettos that, that don't have have houses without electricity and like that. But you know, no, you're right. In your average city, listener can't listener can't even imagine life without electricity. No, yeah. you're right. In a city, if you live without electricity, you're squatting. You know, that's it. But you're right. A lot of these people were not squatting. They either owned the land that they were on, or it was a family member's piece of land usually, yeah. and they lived without without water, without electricity, without whatever and they didn't abide by any property lines fence lines i mean we were joking about about corbett a guy who just wanders around golson but effectively he wanders around golson with a 22 and he shoots skunks and you can't keep him off your land it could, could because he knows it better than you do you know he'll yeah. he'll wander 12 or 13 miles around people's fields barefoot without a shirt on yeah yeah. Cut off blue jeans. Cut off blue jeans with three teeth in his whole head. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's just a weird place. And you're right. The only other place that you see that is is people squatting in big cities. But but like I said, the, the thing that irritated me was just this, just just this kind of assertion or maybe mythology. I guess a better way to put it is that small towns have. I don't know that are just they're just better because they're small, and not that they're bad. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's just that, man, we saw some fucked up stuff at yeah. Golson, and and th- to me, those are small town values. The, yeah. the the really crazy fucked up stuff. Yeah, even though it's some of the funniest stories we tell nowadays, then it was fucked. It was like we were so young. We we're like, what in the hell just happened? Right, fights and and like yeah. and not just not just pushing fights, but seeing people like get beat down. Yeah, I remember Bobby Burns getting beat up by Tracer Hand. I don't oh, know yeah. if you remember that. And yeah, did, did you know Tracer Hand? I don't think so. What was he? He was a bull rider, wasn't he? Well, he was in his older. Yeah, when he, when he got older, he was a bull rider after high school and stuff. But at Golson, he had probably failed a couple of times. He had to be fifteen yeah. at, in eighth grade, fifteen, sixteen in eighth grade. Yeah, he was. He was an adult. He was an adult for all intents and purposes. But I remember he got in a fight with Bobby Burns, and he beat Bobby Burns bloody as everybody oh, stood yeah. around and watched. There were no teachers around. Looked like a daggum MMA fight. Nothing. And I remember Bobby crying as, as Tracer was punching him. And, and and let me be clear, Bobby was a bully in his own right. It's yeah, not I thought like, it was hilarious. It's not like Bobby was this <laughs> nerdy little kid. Bobby was a tough dude, and Tracer beat him bloody. It was horrible. Um, I mean, it was kind of funny, too. I agree with you on that, but yeah. I love Sorry, you. go ahead. I remember um, this is a little bit older. I guess we're around eighteen, something like that. A, a fight, but you know, some of the the viciousness of the fights that that happened. Uh, Richard Ferguson had a fight with some guy from West, some farm boy oh, uh, named Kevin, about, or something yeah. like this. And uh, Richard, tough guy. I mean, we're talking three percent body fat, six pack. You know, didn't even work for it; just naturally had it. And he just had to pick some fight with some farm boy, and it didn't go as well as he. Uh, he thought it was going to go, and he got a little desperate. And I remember, clear as day, Richard Johnson's taking pictures of the whole thing. Um, Richard reaches, you know, kind of grapples uh, this Kevin, this farm boy, and bites his shoulder. And, I mean, you know, immediately Kevin kind of pushes him away. And it takes like a chunk of flesh out of this farm boy's shoulder. Richard, I swear, never forget this, turns, spits on the ground whatever he just took out. Turns and looks at the farm boy and says, "Bitch, you taste like chocolate." And that was pretty much into the fight there. But uh, I remember. Do you remember this, Jason? You have to remember this. I don't remember nothing. Yeah, Chris Groves <laughs> got into a fight with somebody one time, and he had a Grim Reaper ring that had a scythe that hung, hung well, off. He this. beat the crap out of Bobby Burns too. Was that who he beat up with that scythe ring? Probably so. So, so Chris Groves, you remember Chris Groves? Yeah. He went to Aquila as well. Chris Groves was a pretty cool dude. Yeah. He was a really... Built like Popeye and didn't fucking lift a weight. That's right. Yeah, he had forearms that were enormous. His forearms were bigger than his biceps. But he beat up Bobby because I don't remember what the deal was. It wasn't like Tracer, though. It, it was because of me. Was it? We were playing basketball. That's right. Somebody shot the ball up. That's I went right. up for the rebound when I did. Bobby blindsided me from behind and hit me in the back of the head. With his elbow and knocked That's me down. right. I forgot about and that. And before I could turn around and even do anything, say anything, Chris was beating him to a pulp. That's right. Okay, so we were playing basketball, and Chris Groves had this big Grim Reaper ring. It, it went from one knuckle to the other. It was enormous. And it had a scythe that hung off the side of it, the Grim Reaper was holding a scythe. And I remember he punched Bobby with that ring, and it slit the back of his ear open. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris was effectively wearing a weapon on his hand <laughs> as as jewelry, and no one cared. No one said a word to him about it. And, and I remember several other fights in the in the gym that were like that. You know, one of the worst ones that I remember was Becky Nawar and Kerry Haskins. That was awesome. That was the worst fight ever. It was horrid. <laughs> so Becky Nawar, you know Becky. Toad. Yes. Toad. Yeah, so I called her Toad because she looked like Toad from Super Mario Brothers 2. She was really short. She was she stocky. Was toad rolled. And she could throw a fucking punch. Oh, hell yeah. Look at her brothers. God. So she got in a fight with Carrie Haskins, and I don't remember how it started, 
But Toad reared back and she kicked Carrie right in the pussy. As hard as she could. She kicked her in the pussy as hard as she could. And I remember Carrie screaming. All you heard was... Yeah, so she kicked... And then Becky proceeded to punch her in the face. It was horrible. And then after Carrie fell on the ground... Remember, these are two girls fighting... Becky looked over and saw her manicured nails and stomped on her hands and <laughs> broke every nail off of her hand. That was how awful that fight was. I will, I will never forget that, See, watching Becky just keep stomping on her hands to get those nails off of her. Yeah. And she kicked her right That's in the That's a pussy. bad bitch. That was, that was a bad bitch. Yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. But Jason and I had a run-in with Becky one time, too. I don't remember if you, if you remember this. So You're talking about the time she whipped out her haters and they were the size of watermelons? No. In fact, I was not going to mention that at all. But in any case, I was talking about, so Becky, as tough as Becky was, I'm going to ignore that. So as tough as Becky was, she had, she, anything would make her sick. She was terrible about that. So oh, if yeah. you were so if you're clearing your throat or hawking something up, she would start gagging immediately. So of course, that was a game that we liked to play. No doubt. So Jason kept hawking stuff up and she was trying to hit him. Uh, I think she would rather so she was trying to punch him, trying to get him to stop. And so I hawked up a huge loogie. It was really gross. And I spit it on the back of a rock. And I told her, here, I said, hit him with this. And I handed it to her. Loogie side up. And so she grasped that thing and she got it on her hand. And she started screaming and she threw the rock. And the rock hit, hit one of the teacher's cars. And we, oh, we all got in trouble for that. That was a fantastic day, though. I used to love throwing graspers on the girls' butts before they went to back to class. Did too. you guys have this game? No. I I've never heard of this. This was a fun game. So you would go and you'd pick graspers, and you had to make sure that you had the stalk. So it was a a stalk that was about six inches, and at the top was a series of graspers. And then you would hold them, and then you would try to slyly slap them (laughs) on the back of people's asses. So they didn't feel them, and they they would just stick on the clothing, and you would load people up. You would try to get as many on their ass as you could, exactly. so that when they went into class and sat down, it would just it would, it would just spear Start their ass. Sitting on a bunch of needles. Yeah, that's actually really cruel. But no, it we weren't cruel, that clever. But it was awesome. It was a fun game. Well, we mostly just stuck to wedgies and panting. No, 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 peanut we, butter M and M's. What? <laughs> peanut butter M and M's. All right, you got to hold that. They are good. What are you talking about? What? Oh my God! So we had this. We got back into class. I had I had one grass bar left. I sat down and Yuri Hawkins was sitting right in front of me. I had one I had one I had one grass bar left. I threw it at the back of Yuri and I was gonna try to get it like on his shoulders so that when he sat down he would it would sit up. I missed and it went too high and it hit him in the head and so the grass bars <laughs> stuck. They stuck right in the back of his head and the stalk stuck straight up in the air, almost like an Indian feather. And when it hit him, it, it really didn't hurt, but he goes, oh, what was that? And he brushed his hand on the back of his head, and he smashed the stickers into his head and into his hand. And then he started crying, and I remember that it was Paul Kluge. He, I got kicked out of class for that. You probably got a mark on his paddle. Ah, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So we had a seventh grade teacher who was renowned for paddling people. Yeah. But if you got paddled, you got to uh, sign it. You sign it, and you had to put your... Mark, how many times we, we had battled. two or three teachers that, that did that. I wonder if that's a, a common thing in other schools, unlike you know larger schools, or if that's something unique to rural schools. It seems like a way to turn kids into S and M monsters. <laughs> it seems like a way to make people go, "Yes, I want to be spanked." You know what I mean? I but mean, it's a no no nowadays, right? Yeah, you're not really. Yeah, I don't think yeah, corporate, even corporal punishment. It's, it's still to. legal technically Is in it? Texas. Absolutely, absolutely still Are legal. Are you sure? Now a lot of schools don't. Do that because it brings well. up too many liabilities, and every and just like when we were kids, you still have to sign a, a waiver okay. saying that you know you can only ha- perform corporal punishment if the parents sign off on it at the start of the year. So I, I don't know about you, the teachers that y'all had that, that that did that that allowed students to mark up the paddle when they got paddled. Did they typically paddle more than the other teachers? Um, no, no, I, I won't say that's true. There was definitely one. Uh, Mr. Oliver, who we spoke about before, he his paddle was actually covered in signatures from years of, of paddling students and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that my name was on it, you know, multiple times because you didn't get to sign it once. Like if you got paddled like three times, you got three signatures, so, and the entire thing was was 
I mean, covered in ink. So Paul Kluge didn't let you sign it every time. You got you you put your name on it, and then you did a you dash. You put tick marks. Like, oh, that's that's yeah. actually a good way. We had students that were racing for fifty. Yeah, yeah. Little Bucky oh, had shit. almost fifty. By the I end think of the year. I had ten, and I was proud. I remember I had one. <laughs> I remember. I remember being terrified whenever I got my one. I remember it, it was it was so embarrassing, dude. I remember that because everybody else had had paddlings, and I was so scared of it. I didn't want a paddling, and I remember getting called out in the hall. I almost cried. It was but, so scary. But Kluge admitted that he used to get paddled a lot when he was younger in school, and he actually talked to, I guess, something that just pushed his brain to doing what he had to do. He talked about a teacher he had that had a paddle with a door hinge on it. So part of the paddle, a quarter of the paddle was separated with the door hinge. So whenever they went to paddle you, oh my it God. would hit, and the other piece would fling around with that door hinge and hit you the second time. How is that not, not like cruel and unusual punishment? Oh, I'm sure that's illegal. Freaking doesn't awesome. mean it didn't happen. <laughs> it's awesome. We yeah. actually angered a teacher. I think it was Rod Holder. I'm not too sure. Because we signed the paddle without having Hence been Rod paddled. Holder. Yes, who told me that I was not mature enough to call him? Not to jump in real quick, but there used to be a guy out here that sold watermelons, and his name was Dick Holder. <laughs> that <laughs> is not a joke. true story. Okay, he, he died just a few years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, he was a good man. Yeah, but yeah, we uh, we got in trouble because we signed his paddle without actually having gotten paddled first, and, and he felt that that was there was an imbalance in the world that as a result we should get paddled because we had gotten the of you course. Know, the reward, I suppose, the way they viewed it in their mind. You can't sign a paddle and not get spanked. Right. <laughs> um, so there, there, I think there were quite a few. I think, I think Rod Holder did that. I think uh, Miss B did that as well. Mr. Oliver was one I remember most because, again, he, he was very quick with the paddling, but his paddling was were not violent or anything like that. In fact, it was a joke. There was one student, Chance, Chance Lynch, that made a production of being paddled, like he would, they'd go out outside the door or whatnot, and when oh, you hear the yeah. smack, he would scream like in his loudest, shrillest voice, as if he had just been like severely injured. Right. Not to like jump in on you and everything, but when you said <laughs> Miss B, this teacher y'all used to have, mm-hmm. yeah. Whenever this was course in my later years, I started working out off Franklin at Kim's gym. Yes. Big old buff dude. Kind of, you know, he was pretty huge and everything. And uh, come to find out, you know, I told him I was from Gulfstream. He's like, Are you familiar with the Quill area? Well, come to find out, him and this dude wanted me to, like, want to know if I wanted any extra work. Like, you making any money? Come find out, he's one of these male stripper dudes that goes to bachelorette parties. Dude, that's good money. Miss B used to be in love with this dude. <laughs> Supposedly, they were lovers at one time. I would think a male stripper could do better than Miss B. I'm sorry. I have no clue where that story was going, but that just, you know. <laughs> funny as hell, this dude wanted me to be like Party but, Boy, no, you know, I and strip down in it. my Party Boy. I liked that it diverged into male stripping, though. And he that lived, made it okay, He I lived think. in an upstairs thing in his gym. At he the told gym. Me he, I, I was paying him enough to where he was going to be training me every time I did a workout. Is he three be times, training you three as a times a week? No, no, that comes later. I, I would actually that pay to see later. That. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did my own thing. Right, you know, freelance. Hence, Mr. Coxog. <laughs> this is a true story. The but Coxog, anyway, but that, that's, that's another that's day for future. Uh, just. We're going to keep you on the edge there. Uh, I have no clue what I'm talking about. But that dude did. He, he like told me to show up first day of workout. And I'm looking for him. And he's like passed out in some man thong up in his little upstairs apartment. <laughs> talking about, if I'm not there, come upstairs and ring the bell up there. And this dude, he's like, come in. Dude, I think I this like was... There. He looks like... Are you sure he wasn't seducing you? Dude, I'm positive. I but this dude, he's like, come on in. And I walk in there, and he looks like a dude that got trashed, walked through the door, dropped his pants and his skibbies, and fell on the bed like in the star shape, you know? There's no- I walk in, he's like, I walk in, and he's like, come in. And I look at him, and he goes, who the fuck are you? I was like, I'm Jason, and I got like a 3 o'clock appointment for weightlifting today. He's like... Go downstairs and start stretching. I'll be there in 30 fucking minutes. That's what he said the night before. <laughs> he didn't say it's me. He said somebody. <laughs> Dude, that was the best story ever. Are you sure you didn't get raped? I paused it. <laughs> God, oh, buddy. 
<laughs> passed out in his man thong. He was. <laughs> Weird dude. That's awesome. He had one of these death gyms, too. It's not like nowadays. This is like a boiler room with freaking weights yeah. and stuff in there and boxes you jump up on. And, I mean, this seriously old school is what it was. He was a strange guy. He came in actually. He actually saw our band play one time and walked in. I was like, "Hey, Kenny." He's like, "Hey, now on stage, man." I was like, hey. "Stage show." I was like, "Hey, Kenny, you remember me?" He's like, "Hey, fuck you." And uh, <laughs> that's like the last time I seen it. Nice <laughs> he was a big dude. Wow. I don't know. I, I think there's, there would be a lot of money to be made by a male stripper in the AGM or this GAM, guy, as you hear chicks call it. It's the yeah. GAM. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I remember uh, this is a little bit outside or the edge of the, of the gam, but um, Carl's Corner they used to have strippers. Uh, th- this is I think this is an interesting story. Yeah. The strippers in, in the AGM. Last time I saw them, I got arrested. There was a, a little little strip club for a few. I don't think it was up too long. For a few years, it was a bar for a while. They tried strippers to, yeah. to bring in people, and Coco, and they years later, I, I met. The owner's daughter. Um, Carl's daughter? Yeah. Hey, she was uh, married to one of my coworkers, and we went uh, you know, boating one day or whatnot, and I met her. And I, I was warned ahead of time. Maybe this says, says much about my character. Don't bring up strippers near my wife. Really? Something that had to be had to be warned about. And, was uh, her last name Cornelius? It was before she was married. Yeah. I can't remember her her first name. I really can't. Josh Lenko used to be best friends with her brother. Okay. Um, Anyway. Cut me off, shit, (laughs) in. Sorry, Tank. Anyway, the story goes, which, that I couldn't bring up strippers around her because she, she had been, like, teased to the point of, like, emotional torture about... This 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 thing because I guess you know grew up in a relatively like you know Baptist area whatnot. Apparently she was uh, you know ostracized because of her father's bar slash strip club or whatnot. Uh, to the point that you know the word stripper was like an emotional trigger for her. I always yeah. thought it was funny and that that Carl's Corner became a city because that is a, liquor. because that's a dry county mm-hmm. and he wanted to be able to sell liquor it was the so furthest point the south that you could buy liquor from Dallas right and he so he incorporated and all he incorporated was the bar i mean if you look on the map the only thing that's carl's corner is that the city is around the bar yeah and that's the city mm-hmm. and he is the the owner of the city yeah. yes and he made quite a bit of money off that i'm pretty sure yeah well i mean if rumors are true he still has a weekly card game with willie nelson yeah, and Willie's like in on that too. Now it looks like now, a little the, ghost town or something like you look they got that old school, mm-hmm. you know, ghost town look to it and everything. Yeah. 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 I'd like to play cards with Willie. Uh, you know, it's interesting Willie Nelson is, is a little bit of a you know, mythological hero figure of of the GAM AGM. Hey, he's a small town dude. Uh, he is. Aquila on the other side of the highway. I, I don't really, or not Aquila, Abbott from Abbott. on the other side of the, the highway, which I don't know if I really count as part of our region. It's like the region no, across not. the way. That was the, those were the neighboring region. They were the nemeses. Yeah, like I remember like the Abbott the Abbott people were the people that they hated it when you called them the Abbott rabbits. Abbott rabbits. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yep. And. Anyway, I remember, a lot of people from Kula, like the old timers, talked about working in cotton gins and picking cotton with Willie Nelson back before he got famous. My grandfather still does. Papa worked. He he fixed the machines at the cotton gin in Abbott, and Willie picked cotton and worked the worked the line at the cotton gin. And Papa said that they would they would occasionally ask Willie to go out with them because Willie was I think Willie's three or four years younger than Papa. He said that they would ask him to go out. And all Willie wanted to do was smoke weed and sit on his front porch and play guitar. Sounds like nothing's changed. And, and that's and that's all that he did. Worked out pretty well for him. I guess so. Yeah, it yeah. turned him into a a legend. They put a they put a statue of him up in in Austin. Really? Yeah, it's down there next to Stevie Ray Vaughan. I got a statue of him in my yard. No, you don't. Sounded good. That is a complete lie. Does that sound good? No, that's another complete lie. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> we could have a pod. We should have a podcast episode of let's not say a single truthful thing. 
except for Johnson one story. One story will be true. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> we'll tell one true story and challenge our listeners to pick out which one actually happened. To see which one's yeah. true. Yes. I think I think the key to that is that we invite we invite one of uh, one of our former friends. Should we invite Shannon over here? And he's he's required to. Can he tell a true story? I don't think so. At this point, I don't think I don't think he can tell a true story. I'll end up offing on wives here. So we, we have a, we have a friend, a former friend, who went to school with us, and yes. he literally could not tell the truth about about anything. This dude stabbed a bear with a paperclip. No, well, you guys lied about that. I think that he, he originally said that he killed he killed something with a knife. Is what the original story I was. I did watch the boy kill a, a big old big ass rattlesnake cross the road with a dagum knife with the cow bone for the handle. Did, did he stab job. it or did he throw the knife? Stabbed it. That's insanity. But I believe the story because I saw my father challenge a rattlesnake with an axe and won. It was actually very funny to see him because he swung and missed like three times. So it was like swing, miss, jump back like, oh, my God, I just missed the snake and then jump again. Finally got it. I don't know why we didn't have a gun with us. <laughs> Small towns roll. Small towns. And when GH found Golson, yeah. Willie was with him. Okay. Okay. Because they were floating down a river smoking pot. I don't think this is true. I'm going to piss up here. And he goes, hey. That's not true. This town is unnamed. I shall name it Golson. Did, did he piss on a snake and Willie Nelson and killed it with Willie, a knife? And he told Willie, he said, I will give you the first piece of property here to have whatever you want to do with it. And Willie said, I'm going to make a country bar. And they're a pole. First and last chance. <laughs> First and last chance is, is a real bar. I don't think it's affiliated with Willie Nelson. I still think that that is the best bar name. It's a great bar name. It really I is. I bought my first legal beer there. It's also the Jay, really? I turned 21. Now I said I bought my first legal beer. Right. No, I got that. Not the first time I bought it. Is that ever. true? Yes, that's true. That is the best bar name ever. It's a great bar name. My, it's not a great bar, though. Went no. up there with my cousin Terry, which is a damn whack job now. What? <laughs> I said, you said that. I didn't say that. I love him to death, but he's, he came from somebody different. It's like, what? who took over his body? Where am I at right now? I don't know. Well, see, that's another one of the small town things that, 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 that is just crazy. How, how, how likely it is that if you're a young male <clears throat> that you'll eventually have problems with drugs. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. Uh, and then he became a counselor at apparently one of the one of the premier detox centers in Austin. Um, but yeah, when he was out here, he was he was a mess. Yeah, I remember the huge uh, mess. The the, the the trite little phrase that I like to to bring up in that regard, anybody brings up drugs or small town values or whatnot, is until you know it, you don't know that every other trailer house has a meth lab in it, which is which is true. Like, they're everywhere. And see, I, I guess, like, I left right about the time that the meth thing really hit. Didn't I? I guess. The, the thing is, is, when you know, I didn't really know it was that bad. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I knew people were on cocaine and stuff like that, and they thought I didn't know about it, but I did. Right. Well, I, I guess whenever I left, so I left around 2001, 2002 is whenever I left. And about that time, you know, Terry had lived with me off and on for a while. Derek had lived with me off and on for a while. And I knew that they were on all kinds of stuff at yeah. the time. I had no idea that it was as bad as it was. Yeah. And then I leave, and then I get back in touch with you guys. And every person that we used to hang out with, you guys are telling me, no, they're, they're, on, they're fucked up. No. Yeah. One of our buddies was cooking meth in my shack. Right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of more. And they either, and if it's not drugs, it's alcohol. Right. And, and yeah. that that's shocking to me. And I, and I said this earlier. I mean, I brought my yearbooks with me from Golson. Yeah. But if you look at the yearbooks of the classes that we, you know, that that were that were our class or the ones that were around us, it's it's terrifying how many of the people are either on drugs, have had problems with drugs, dead, are dead. Absolutely. And we're not talking big classes here. These are classes of yeah. 15 people, yeah, 16 people. And you think maybe 2% of the people in those classes got out okay? Yeah. That's that's terrifying. Those are not good odds. No. 
Those are not. those are really bad odds. I guess for for me, the only saving grace is that now. Golson School is a really good school. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that. You're talking badly about um, the, your previous principal. You know, it might be worth noting that the new superintendent has come in and really turned that school around. Yeah. And she she wasn't well liked because of it. I mean, I remember when we were so when she came in, when Pat McFerrin came in, we were in we were freshmen in high school. Is that right? Yeah. Either freshmen or sophomores. Okay. I don't remember if Wes had one more year or not. I think she came in at the end of our freshman year because I was still riding the bus at that time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I got the, and I got a truck immediately after. So she came in during our freshman year. So we weren't at Golson, but we were being commuted from Golson to West at that time. And people hated her. Right, we hated her at that time, too, because yeah. she was trying to straighten the bus up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but she turned the school around, man. I mean, TEA consistently listed as an exemplary school. Um, and I mean, they just, they just built their high school. This was the first year they had it. And I was kind of in on the ground floor of that. And it's really kind of, I mean, it's really exciting. Speaking of her trying to straighten up the bus, the bus ride was awesome. Oh my God. We had good times on them buses. Half the time my ass cheeks were hanging out the back door. More than that. So we, we were, (laughs) once you hit eighth grade, you got transported to West and we had transportation via a bus and we were just. And I said this before when Tank and I were talking, we were like convicts on the fucking bus. Oh, yeah. It was insane how bad we were. Yeah. And at that time, we were top of the of, of the of the of the chain. I mean, our class was we, we were. Oh, yeah. So it's not like we were being bullied or anything like that. We were the bad guys. I mean, if you think about it, Jason, we were literally the bad guys on the bus. Yeah, we were. Um, there was one occasion – Timmy Noir was with us once. We would stop at Check Stop on the way home. So we would go to West, and when they picked us up, they would stop at one of the, the, the big gas stations and let us get food. We were at the gas station, and there was a beer truck that was there. Do you remember this? <laughs> and Timmy Noir got out of the bus, and he went and he stole several cases of beer from the from the beer truck and, and put it on the bus. And so we drank on the way home. Yeah. We had free beer on the way and home. And one time we got pulled over. We got pulled over because <laughs> there were people that were dancing in the aisles, and they were sitting, sitting on, on the top of the seats. Sitting on the top of the seats. And our, Misty Williams was one of them. She was up there dancing, yep. um, like the hooker that she was, and <laughs> she got us pulled over. And uh, yeah, that was terrible. You know, that's worth noting. Like uh, the drinking on the bus. I mean, that happened a few times with uh, with us as well. Uh, granted, uh, more in high school than, than in uh, junior high, but that was tolerated. I think it was almost expected. Like it was a game. Yeah, you knew if you get if you got caught, it wasn't like you were getting suspended. No. You weren't getting expelled. No. You weren't getting into any serious trouble. No. They poured your beer out, and that was the punishment. Well, I don't mm-hmm. think we were supposed to be stopping at the store in the first place. Were we not? I don't. I'm pretty sure that a bus is not supposed to do that. No, everyone knew we were. Though. We go in there, we get chicken, fries, and <laughs> beer. Every, <laughs> every every cent that I was given for lunch money. I didn't spend it west. I waited for check stop. And on the way home, I would order fries, cheese, the chicken. The chicken breast was the bomb It there. was good. And we would come home, and we would spend $12, $15 a day on food on the way home. I'm jealous of you having food in your town. It was ridiculous. Well, it was in west. It wasn't here. I know. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> – Well, right. It was ridiculous the amount of well, money we, we spent. Then again, I could be wrong about that. Buses normally don't stop at places you could buy things because exactly. we didn't have – Anything that you can right. stop at to buy. Well, okay, so you don't need to be jealous about the food at Golson Cafeteria. So when we were at Golson, the Golson School Cafeteria was so awful that there was one day where I tried to take pickles home because they had bugs in them. The pickles had bugs in them. I wanted to take them home and show mom and dad. And they were checking people at the door to make sure you weren't taking food home. I Be- brought my lunch to Golson. Because, because they knew that the food was so bad. That they didn't want anybody to find out, so they were taking food away from people so that you wouldn't take it home. I like complained about sandwich, food there. Doritos, I'm surprised. It was terrible. Granola bar. Yeah. Sometimes jelly sandwich. <laughs> I see chocolate milk. That was the best thing to get at Golson. You know they can't have chocolate milk anymore? It sucks. Yeah. Too high. they even have milk. What's wrong with this world? Too high in calories. They, they, well, right. they can have milk. They can have... What about True Moo? It's low. What is True Moo? It's the new wave of chocolate milk. I don't, I'm not aware it's of it. It's good for you. I, are you aware of True Moon? I have not heard of this. I've never heard of True Moon. It's like Viagra for kids. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right. We're right at an hour. You guys got any wrap-up thoughts? Anything you want to end us with? 
Someday we're going to do a podcast on positive attributes of the Golson Aquila Metroplex. No, of the, uh, of the Golson. That's what I said. Is that what you said? I said it correctly. You said it correctly. You know, I said it correctly one time, and you call me out yeah. on it. So no, I was just it. prepared no. to jump on you about it. This is going to be a running gag no, now. No, I was prepared to jump on you about it. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, you're right. We spent, we've spent roughly 58 minutes is what the running counter is at. Well, let's be... Let's be honest. About five of those minutes we spent with Jason eating brownies. Good times. But other than that, speaking we, of this little pause in our break, here, we spent brownie the, bots. We spent Get the rest. Of, we spent the rest of the time talking about bad attributes about small towns. But I think that's fair. No, it, it is. It is. Uh, and not to get into. <laughs> Not to get into the subject of the next thing, but I, I've spent a bit of time lately um, thinking about what positive things we could say, and it's it's actually really difficult because most of the the positive things you can say are positive things you could say about just about anywhere. Right. The only only real thing that that I got out of this growing up out in rural Texas, that growing up in this city would not have gave me is perspective on how different rural life really is. I wouldn't I wouldn't give any of it back. You know what? I wouldn't either. Enjoy it. No, I wouldn't either. And that's something that I tell people that is, that is, it, it was simultaneously wonderful and horrible. You know Pride what I mean? And shame. It, yeah, it was simultaneously the most wonderful and horrible thing ever. And I wouldn't give it back. But also, I, like I said, if 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 I had a child that was going to the same school that we went at, I would pull them immediately. Oh. I would I would never let my child go to a school like that. It was it was really bad. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't give it up for anything. And yeah. when and and I've been all over the world, and people cannot believe that we grew up like we yeah. grew up. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. for all the bad times, we had really great times. Oh my God, so many! And good times. I mean, so many memories. And just you know, I love you guys. Oh my love God, it's going to turn into a it's emotional. All right, well, we're going to. I'll give a shout out to GH. Oh God. <laughs> That's not true at all. Okay, so that's the the wrap-up on this one. Uh, Thank you guys for downloading it.